Please be aware, the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be considered disturbing, frightening, and yes, in some cases, even offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the things that go bump in the night. Monsters lurking under your bed or deep in the forest. That unknown creature lurking just out of sight and frighteningly imagined creatures ghosts, supernatural beings, and even some unsolved mysteries. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, well, we're looking into some treats, but not ones that you eats. Nope, these treats, they eats you. (laughs) So, with that said, We will still be playing our drinking game, and as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and, well, have nowhere else to go tonight. The choice of libation, as always, my darlings, is yours, so choose your poison accordingly. Alright, now for the game part. How about every time I say, plant? That will be a single shot, and every time I say, jungle... That will be a double shot. Alright, now that we have the business end out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's Dark Enigma. Alright, forget your veganism, people, because these plants, they eat people. (laughs) The jungle seems a tangle of vines and stalks and leaves. The only way you move through the impenetrable wall of green is with your trusty machete. Hacking with a knife, you can slowly make some progress, but the work is exhausting. Finally, you seem to be reaching the jungle's edge. Only a few heavy vines block your way. You bring back the knife to swing at one, but your native guide stays your hand. No, sir, do not touch that one. Go around, it is dangerous. You laugh at him, native people. What do they know? Go around? What for? We're almost out, and it's just a vine. You swing your machete, and it strikes the three-inch thick vine, slicing it neatly in two. Suddenly, the jungle around you comes alive. The vines in the nearby trees start moving. You step back, but it's far too late. One wraps around your ankle. You raise your knife to cut through it, but before you can swing, another vine twists around your arm, stopping it. A third vine as thick as a fire hose curls around your waist, and you're knocked off your feet. It drags you into the thick underbrush. Suddenly, the jungle parts up ahead, and you see an orange pod as tall as a man. It opens, and you're thrust into its dark interior. You find yourself waist-deep in a sticky liquid that burns your skin. As the leaves close up behind you, trapping you, your guide's voice can be heard. 
Sir, you should have listened. A strange tale for sure, but could it be true? Is there flora that traps animals and consumes meat? Are there such things as man-eating plants? Well, we live in a world full of plants. Ours is a green planet, one full of countless species of plant life that thrive in every corner of this beautiful world. From the hottest rainforests to deserts, to some of the most inhospitable places on earth, plants have managed to adapt and take hold. Even in the coldest of arctic tundra, one can find lichens clinging to the landscape. Indeed, plants are some of the most adaptable forms of life on the planet. Surrounded by so much diverse flora, most of us probably think we have a good idea of what makes a plant, well, a plant. They absorb water and sunlight, they utilize photosynthesis, and they seed, pollinate, and they grow. They certainly don't move or attack things, do they? Yet, some forms of plant life defy all expectations. These are the plants that feed on other animals, ingesting meat just like an animal would. Many people have heard of the Venus flytrap eating its flies, or even the pitcher plant devouring insects or even small animals such as mice. But there have long been stories of mysterious and terrifying plants in the dark corners of the world, for which that is just not enough. From the far-flung remotest edges of the planet come accounts and stories of plants that feed off of dogs, deers, monkeys, and yes, indeed, even human beings. These are the plants that haunt the forests of the earth and our nightmares as well. The ones that, well, nobody really wants in their backyard. So, let's take a tour of these carnivorous enigmas that inhabit the dim forest and jungles of the world and crave human flesh. Madagascar is purportedly home to at least two distinct types of mysterious carnivorous flora. Perhaps the most well-known comes from an old account brought back from the deepest jungles by the German explorer Karl Lische in 1878. The account describes in horrific detail the sacrifice of a village woman of the Mkodo tribe to a giant flesh-eating tree. In a letter published in the South Australian Register in 1881, Lisha described the unsettling scene that unfolded before him and his cohort, a man only known as Hendrik. Lisha writes, and I quote, the slender, delicate palpi, with the fury of starved serpents, quivered a moment over her head. Then, as if instinct with demoniac intelligence, fastened upon her in sudden coils round and round her neck and arms. Then while her awful screams and yet more awful laughter rose wildly to be instantly strangled down again into a gurgling moan. 
the tendrils one after another like great green serpents with brutal energy and infernal rapidity rose retracted themselves and wrapped her about in fold after fold ever tightening with cruel swiftness and savage tenacity of anacondas fastening upon their prey Whew. i don't know about you but that's got me going anything that sounds like snakes you know me i don't like creepy crawlies anyways slitheries are the worst the tree itself was described as being around eight feet in height and having an appearance reminiscent of a pineapple with eight long pointed leaves that hung down from its top to the ground just another reason i don't like pineapples anyways the trunk of the tree was topped with a sort of receptacle that contained a thick liquid said to have sulfuric qualities that drugged potential prey and was believed to be highly addictive Surrounding this receptacle were long, hairy tendrils with six white palpi re resembling tentacles. You know I love my tentacles. The tree possessed white, transparent leaves that remind Lisha of the quivering mouthparts of an insect. This graphic account has inspired several expeditions to Madagascar in search of the tree. One such expedition was undertaken by Chase Salmon Osborne, the governor of Michigan from 1911 to 1913, who went to the jungles of Madagascar to search for the man-eating tree. Although he was unsuccessful in his efforts to locate it, he did find both natives and western missionaries that claimed to have seen it and that it did in fact exist. Another expedition was launched in 1998, this time by Czech explorer Ivan Makerley. This expedition couldn't locate the elusive tree either, but during his travels, Makerley learned of yet another carnivorous tree on the island referred to as the Komunga Killer Tree. I love that name, Komunga Killer Tree. It's so alliterative. Don't you just love the way it sounds? It's like Bombay Mix. It's a good name to say. Anyways, natives claimed that this particular tree was found on only one part of the island and was said to have flowers that exuded an extremely poisonous gas. The natives claimed to know where such a tree was and guided Mackerley to its location. During the trek, the expedition members were so concerned about the poisonous nature of the plant that they actually wore gas masks. When they arrived at the alleged Komanga killer tree, they found no gas-spewing flowers, but did find several animal skeletons under the tree. The lack of flowers, the natives explained, was due to the tree not being in bloom. Mackerley also uncovered a story of a former British Army officer who allegedly took photographs of a tree on the island that had various animal skeletons strewn about its base. Whether this particular tree was either one of the aforementioned carnivorous trees or something new is uncertain. It's also unknown what became of these photographs, if they indeed ever existed at all. But from the swamps of Nicaragua comes the rather bizarre account of the elusive and terrifying vampire vine. The vine is referred to by the natives as the devil's snare. 
and is described as being rather like an octopus in, his, in appearances. The plant was described by one naturalist by the name of Mr. Dunstan, who came face to face with its horrifying nature while spending two years studying the plants and animals of the region. In the account, Dunstan claimed to have come across the plant while in a swamp region near Lake Nicaragua. Dunstan, who was collecting plant and insect specimens in the area, suddenly heard his dog let out a high-pitched whine of terror, pain, or possibly both. Dunstan allegedly hurried to the source of the cries and found his dog enveloped by a network of rope-like roots and fibers. These fibers were of a dark, nearly black hue and were covered with a thick gum that seemed to exude some sort of pores. The gum was reportedly extremely adhesive and had a foul animal odor. The ensnared dog struggled within this fibrous network and was wailing as if in a great deal of pain. Once the startled Dunstan was able to recover from this gruesome sight, he tried desperately to cut the dog free with his knife, but found the vines to be surprisingly difficult to cut, and, to his horror, found that the plant's rope-like tendrils actively wrapped and curled themselves around his hands like sinuous fingers. Dunstan was able to finally extricate the animal only after an enormous amount of effort, and he noticed that the grasping vines had left the skin on his hands red and blistered. He also noticed, to his amazement, that the dog was blood-stained and covered in spots that seemed puckered as if they had been sucked. The dog, though still alive, was extremely disoriented and had difficulty walking. The naturalist told the natives of his encounter, and they explained that the vine was well known and feared in the area, warning him to stay well away from it. Undaunted, Dunstan tried to collect more information on the bizarre vine, but found it to be very difficult to approach or handle. However, through his observations, he deduced where the plant's remarkable suction abilities derived from and how it fed, and he reported, and I quote, the plant's power of suction is contained within a number of infinitesimal mouths or little suckers, which ordinarily closed open for the reception of food. If the substance is animal, the blood is drawn off and the carcass or refuse then dropped, a lump of raw meat being thrown to it in the short space of five minutes, the blood will be thoroughly drunk off and the mass thrown aside. Its veracity is almost beyond belief. End quote. I'm just going to say that that describes a couple of guys I've gone out with. They're little suckers too. Anyways, Dunstan also described how the plant was extremely hard to get off once it latched on and could only be pulled away with a great deal of effort and possibly lost skin. He eventually gave up his studies on the vampire vine and very little else is known about it. But, as you know, Central America is purportedly home to a vicious man-eating tree known as the Yataveo tree. The tree is said to have long spikes, which it uses to impale its victims, whereupon it absorbs the victim's blood. The spikes or spines have dagger-like thorns around their edges and hang down to the ground where they lay hidden and still until prey comes along. 
When an unsuspecting victim steps among these barbed shoots, they spring to life and energetically impale them. The victim's blood is then drunk through the trunk of the tree. There are so many other carnivorous plants that have been reported from Mexico. For example, in the Sierra Madre area, a tree was reported that allegedly had branches with a slimy, snake-like appearance. Again, describing a guy I dated. Anyways. One witness described seeing a bird land on one of these unusual branches and promptly be pulled down into a mass of other such branches. Indeed, the base of the tree was said to be littered with the bones and feathers of other unfortunate birds. When the branches were touched by one witness, they were found to snap down on the hand with enough force to tear skin off. Another account from Mexico was described by the explorer Byron Cundiprorock in the Chiapas region in southern Mexico. While trekking through the jungle, he came across a giant plant which had impaled a bird upon large thorns covering its leaves. Native guides referred to the plant as the Plante Vampira. But the jungles of South America hide several types of mysterious carnivorous plants. From Brazil, some accounts of what is called the Brazilian Devil Tree, which is reportedly found in the Mato Grosso region, the tree is said to hide its branches in the leaves and undergrowth of the forest floor or sometimes even underground. When a victim passes, the branches reportedly wrap around and slowly constrict the victim to death. Another plant reportedly found in the very same region is known to have sweet-tasting berries in order to lure its prey, said to consist of mostly birds. When a bird tries to eat the berries, branches snap around the unsuspecting prey and crush it against the trunk to kill it, after which the blood is sucked from the body at the plant's leisure and the body then discarded. Also from Brazil, near the border with Guyana, comes the story of the monkey trap tree, which was described by the explorer Mariano da Silva. This plant's preferred prey was said to be, as the name suggests, monkeys that were attracted by an irresistible scent exuded by the tree. The tree then enveloped the monkey with large leaves and digested the body over a period of several days, after which the bones were dropped to the forest floor. In Argentina and Bolivia, another such plant can be purportedly found in the Chaco forest region. In this case, masses of beautiful flowers are said to hang down from the canopy, which exude a powerful sleeping agent. Prey is then paralyzed by this poisonous perfume and subsequently drained of blood via suckers contained within the flowers themselves. The plant is said to feed on all manner of large animals and supposedly even human beings. Okay, you get a good one for this. Zoiks! Okay. <laughs> While exploring in the Mindanao region of the Philippines, a planter from Mississippi reportedly came across a 35-foot-tall tree with a dark gray color that was 80 to 100 feet in diameter, surrounded by bones, and emitting a foul-smelling odor like carrion. He noticed a human skull lying beneath the tree and went to investigate it, when his guide suddenly stopped him and pointed at the tree in a panic. That was when the horrified planter realized that the tree was reaching for him. The account appeared titled as 
escaped from the embrace of the man-eating tree in the American Weekly, January 4, 1925, where it was written as this. The whole thing had changed shape and was horribly alive and alert. The dull, heavy leaves had sprung from their compact formation and were coming at him from all directions, advancing on the ends of long, vine-like stems, which stretched across the necks of innumerable geese, and now that the old man had stopped his screaming, the air was full of hissing sounds. The leaves did not move straight at their target, but with a graceful side-to-side sway, like a cobra accompanied by sharp cracking sounds. End quote. The effect of this advancing and swaying mass of green objects was hypnotic, like the charm movements of a snake. Bryant could not move, though the nearest leaf was within an inch of his face. He could see that it was armed with sharp spines on which a liquid was forming. He saw the heavy leaf curve like a green, mittened hand, and as it brushed his eyebrows in passing, he got the smell of it, the same animal smell that hung in the surrounding air. Another instant and the thing would have had his eyes in its sticky, prickly grasp, but either his weakness or the brown man's strength threw them both on their backs, and the charm was broken." They crawled out of the circle of death and lay panting in the grass while the malignant plant, crackling and hissing, yearned and stretched and thrashed to get to them. When reached for comment at the time by naturalist Willard Clute, the author of this peculiar tale, insisted that the story was true and that the tree did in fact exist. Who knows? But a bizarre report comes from Padrame, India, where in 2007, a farmer's cow was reportedly attacked by a carnivorous tree. On October 18, 2007, villager Anand Goda took his cow herd to graze in the forest near the village, when one of the cows was suddenly grabbed by branches and unbelievably pulled from the ground. When Gouda shouted for help, other villagers allegedly converged on the scene armed with knives and axes and proceeded to hack at the tree until it let go of the cow. Apparently, this sort of carnivorous tree is known to locals and is called the Pilimata, or tiger tree. Somewhere in the South Pacific, though, lies the forgotten islet of El Banur, a place said to be home to a man-eating flower known only as the death flower. The flower's existence is mostly known of only through the 1581 account of the explorer Captain Arkwright, who wrote of it in his journals and his travels. He described the plant as basically a huge, brightly colored flower with very large petals. The flower reportedly could release a sephoric, sleep-inducing aroma, whereupon the victim would lie down upon one of the petals. Once this happened, the flower would close and digest its sleeping prey, alive. Now that seems like a fascinating account, but since it is only one report and the location of El Banur is not, well, specifically explained, it seems unlikely that we will ever know for sure just how much veracity that account holds. The idea of such carnivorous plants as these is perhaps rightly and understandably met with a great deal of skepticism from the scientific community. 
These accounts describe some behaviors that no plant should be capable of exhibiting, and the reliability of such reports is at times questionable. Yet, nevertheless, the idea of aggressive, man-eating plants lying coiled in the dark jungles of the world, ready to ensnare their prey, holds a certain fascination. We already know of carnivorous plants that do exist, and although most prey on insects, some of these, such as some of the larger pitcher plants of the genus Nepenthes, are on occasion known to ingest prey as large as rats or lizards. Could there be something larger and deadlier out there in the remote areas of the world? Perhaps time will tell. Until then, we can only imagine what this green planet of ours hides within its jungles and forests. Well, that's enough to make one want to fight back by eating a big-ass salad tonight. Or at least make you rethink tomatoes. Whatever happened to that movie, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? I liked that movie. It was kind of stupid and goofy. I liked it. Well, who knows. But be sure to eat your vegetables, my heathens. Because... <laughs> You know what? Just what I needed. Yet another reason not to go traipsing through the jungle. Like the snakes weren't going to keep me out of it. Now I got to worry about killer vegetables. Anyways, with that, my darlings, we have come to the end of our episode. And I thank you for joining me today. I hope you'll take the time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on what you think. Or, you know, a nice salad recipe. That'd be great. You can always reach the show and me at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And you know what? If you have a suggestion for a future show, you just want to tell me what you think, you love the movie Attack of the Killer Tomatoes and want to discuss it, drop me a line because I do reply to every single email because, you know, I'm bored and I don't have anything to do. On that note, my darlings, that's all the time I have this evening. And I thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio. And you know what? Don't forget to tune in next time, my darlings. See you, my heathens. I love you. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.